Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color, tune in Mondays at 12 New Eastern Standard Time as Deborah Hardnett, CEO of Deborah Hardnett International and founder of The Professional Black Woman, showcase the triumphant journeys of these powerful sisters. You will be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278. Today's broadcast is brought to you by www.wealthysisters.com, where the show can be heard 24 hours a day. And now your host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by The Professional Black Woman. You can visit us at www.thepbw.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Our purpose is twofold. First, we want to inspire you and encourage you, the listener, and second, to edify, promote, acknowledge, or just say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Today is Monday, March 15, 2010, and you know we are here every week at the same time, Mondays at 12 noon Eastern. Today, you guys, this is the last Monday before the Winter Summit. This is the week. We are so excited. What an awesome event we have in store for you this week. We're um, definitely going to talk about it more uh, today on our show, but I tell you what, this is the place to be. We're so excited. I mean, Mondays is the best day of the week to do this show because what, like we said earlier, we want to inspire and encourage you, the listener, that you too can go out and accomplish your dreams like our awesome, awesome, awesome guests have done. So we welcome you again to Wealthy Sisters and thank you for tuning in. Now, I tell you what, today is just an awesome day, as I said. We have a young lady, a guest on this show who, like I told you last week, this is the multi-super multi-millionaire month, and she is one incredible woman. Her story is so powerful. What I need for you to do right now, to everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, I want you to call all your friends. I want you to tell them right now, dial 347-838-9278. That's 347-838-9278 and tune in. You need to get your paper, your pen, your pencils and everything. Like my grandma used to say, a short memory or a long memory, or I can't even get it right, a short pencil is better than a long memory any day because you don't want to miss anything that this young lady has to share with us today. When I tell you her story, you're going to be so glad you did. Go ahead also and, and tweet this to your, your, your colleagues, tweet this to your friends, also on Facebook, you name it, mark us as your favorites. We want you to get this information today. Now, when I tell you our powerhouse, is a powerhouse, you just listen to her bio. Just listen to this. Even mandatory bed rest while she was pregnant with twins did not stop her from successfully leading her team. Freeland learned the ropes of government contracting through personal experience as both an employee and employer. In her new book, Navigating Your Way to Business Success, An Entrepreneur's Journey, Freeland shares her own inspiring success story while providing practical, that's our key there, practical business strategies, finding herself, as she did, past over for seven years for promotions, Freeland began to focus on growing her new company, and in 1993, Freeland started the RG2 Technologies Incorporated. It was an IT systems integration and engineering solutions company named in honor of her son, Richard Gregory II, who passed away when he was two months old. Freeland was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama. Beham is representing strong, y'all. Call them, tell them, tune in. After high school, she remained in her hometown while earning her BS in finance with the University of Alabama at Birmingham. She received an MBA, business administration from the university, excuse me, 
um, University of Maryland, College Park, in 1995, she was named the Minority Small Business Person of the Year by the SBA. 1999, she was in Black Enterprise. Uh, her company was named the Emerging Company of the Year. 2003 and 2006, she was included on the Maryland's top women's list. And in 2002, received the Baltimore Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award. Freeland successfully built and sold, and I'm going to let her tell you today, Woohoo! She sold RG2 to the Computer Horizons Corporation in 2003 after fulfilling a three-year transition period with Computer um, Horizons. She retired in 2006 with the brainchild she started in a basement now. Come on. Are y'all listening in the basement? And set out in search of her next entrepreneurial venture, which is today Freeland and Associates. So our special guest is none other than Catherine Freeland. She is here today. We're excited. She's one of our featured speakers at the Winter Summit Conference and Expo. So we want you to tune in. Right after this next break, you will hear from none other than Ms. Catherine Freeland. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Permal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2009. Yes, we are live and in color back with the dynamic, dynamic Miss Catherine Freeland. We want to welcome her to the line today. Hello, Miss Catherine. How are you? I'm fine, Deborah. How are you today? Oh, we are doing awesomely well. Thank you for joining us here on Wealthy Sisters. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, yes. Well, your bio is just so powerful. We're so excited to have you. And we here at Wealthy Sisters, we like to just jump right into it. We like to get the raw, the real truth, and uh, we just appreciate you sharing that with us today. Now, let's let's find out a little bit more, if we will, about your background. We we understand you're from Birmingham, Alabama. Beham represented, uh, yeah. Beham represented, that's right, that's right. I always tease everyone and say, I know that that, that road, Interstate 20, like the back of my hand between Atlanta and Birmingham. I've that's driven right. that several times. Right. But tell us what it was like growing up in Birmingham. How did you get here to the Maryland area? And just let's just start with that today. Okay, very good. Well, again, thank you so much, Deborah, for the invitation to come on the show. I'm really excited about, you know, the show today and what's going to happen this weekend also. And I hear the excitement in your voice as well. But my background does start in Beham, born and raised there as a southern girl. I'm a southern girl at heart. And one of five children, I'm the youngest of five. Uh, My father had a sixth-grade education. My mom was a domestic, but he always instilled in us the importance of having a solid foundation from an educational perspective. So he insisted that we all go to school. And so I Mm. did exactly that along with the rest of my siblings. And so I graduated from high school, immediately went to the University of Alabama, Birmingham, got my degree, as you said earlier, you know, in finance. Uh, my goal mm-hmm. was to go to Wall Street. All I knew about finance was I was going to Wall Street because those were the images <laughs> that we saw on television uh-huh. in Birmingham. Not knowing anything about it, I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. Uh, but subsequent to, you know, subsequent to that, you know, I uh, met my husband, who is my husband now, uh, uh-huh. my last year in college. And my father had told us all, these, there are three things you must do. You must get a quality education. You then must get a good-paying job, and you need to work at this job for 30, 35 years, you know, before you retire, just like he had done. And uh-huh. then third, for us girls, we had to find us a great man. And it was very important that we followed his rules, and so we did exactly that. I got my education. I got my man before I got my job, but I was only one day <laughs> off, a couple of days off, so I married my husband on a Saturday, I graduated from college on a sun, on the following day, actually, on the, uh, the day after, and I moved uh-huh. to Maryland three days later, uh, which wow. my husband is from Maryland, so that's how I got to the Maryland, D.C. area, by marrying my husband, who is from the Washington metropolitan area. And oh, so with the degree I see. in hand, 
you know, fresh out of college, nothing but a degree in hand, no formal work experience, I went immediately to work for a federal government contractor here in the Washington metropolitan area. That's how I got mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that that now that's a sweet story right there. So it's you you met him, I assume, <laughs> and so I assume your husband he also went to the University of Birmingham as well. That is incorrect. My husband is from oh. Maryland, went to the University of Maryland College Park. I actually met okay. him here in Maryland. My sister uh, has lived here for over 30 years, and so on a visit to Maryland is where I met him. Oh, okay. Wow, that's wonderful. That's a that's a great story. So that's a whole nother interview that's there. That's a whole nother interview, I tell you. Long-distance relationships, do they work or do they not? Right, right. They do. That's a good topic. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. They do. That's true. They really do. So tell me now, you you came here, You you your family is so proud of you, you graduated from college, you had finance on your mind, you had Wall Street on your mind, you started working for a government contractor what okay what and how long did you work there and and where did you get this entrepreneurial bug from because your game plan according to daddy was to work for that job you had 30 years that's right right and, and uh-huh. as you see i never made it to wall street even though that was my plan <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. i had a different plan for me uh i came <laughs> here to i worked for the federal government that's of course in this area that's the major employer so, of okay. course, as I was finishing up college, my husband was sending out my resume to these government contractors. And so when I arrived to Maryland, you know, I got a call almost within the first 30 days for an interview at a federal government contractor. So I landed at a contractor uh, with no formal work experience. And the, and the story is funny, Debbie. I always tell the story. I came home and I asked my husband when they offered me this $19,200. Was that a lot of money? And he's like, girl, you're crazy. $19,200, you have no experience. All you have is your degree. That's a good deal. You take it. And so I took that job, and uh, they taught me how the federal government works, how they go about procuring everything that they procure from pencils to battleships. And I learned that budgeting and procurement process. And so that's how I used my finance degree, even though it was not the typical finance that I thought I was going to be doing. I utilized that in order to learn how the government spent their dollars. And so that's really how I got into the federal government contracting arena. Now, how this Uh entrepreneurial bug came about, that's a story that is detailed in this book, Navigating Your Way to Business Success. And I'm sure if I ask the question of your audience, how many of you have been turned down for a position you knew you should have gotten? I bet the majority of your audience would raise their hands and say, oh, yeah, that's me, that's me. Well, that's exactly uh-huh. what happened to me, Deborah. Uh-huh. position uh-huh. I felt that I had deserved, I had worked hard for, had gone back to school, got my master's degree from the University of College Park. I had the experience. I had the tenure. I had the customer relationship. I had everything I needed for this management position when it became available. However, the company Mm -hmm. obviously had a different opinion of that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they hired someone from outside of the company and asked me to train that person. Mm -hmm. That was it for me. That Mm -hmm. was the aha moment that I had to determine at that point in time what I was going to do. I didn't know whether I was just going to go and work for another company. I didn't know what I was going to do. But mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial book came as a result of what I termed discrimination in the workplace because I mm-hmm. felt that I had been discriminated against and I needed mm-hmm. to do something different. And mm-hmm. entrepreneurship became an alternative for me after a lot of soul searching. So that's where the book came from. Wow, so so that's that's interesting, and we we do have a lot of our guests who say the same thing, and and I've noticed that um, throughout just from reading, and and uh, other uh, individual stories, it's usually something that has to like serve as a catalyst or yeah. something to shock or something to charge you um, or uh, that person to start thinking, you know what, I I need to do something else, Absolutely. and so that's that's. And and I found that that's usually one step right there. That's that's the first process. But a lot of people never really make it beyond that. That oh, oh I can't believe this, or not not necessarily I can't believe this, or I should do something else, 
or maybe I should go out on, on my own and do something else, you know, to, to start my own business. How did you actually, with, with all of the traditional, because working in the government, that can be a very comfortable setting, even though, you know, you were passed over to even think about doing something else, you know, that, that, that quote-unquote security there. How did you get from that point of knowing that, okay, all right, this has happened, and I am the one that can go out here and do something on my own? It took me a minute, and I, when I say a minute, mm-hmm. it, took me a, it took me a while to, to, to get mm-hmm. there. It, didn't ha- it did mm-hmm. not happen automatically. And so mm-hmm. I was hurt and I was upset, yes, but I also knew I had bills to pay and I just wasn't going to mm-hmm. just do something crazy. So, you know, I really did have to step back and take an assessment as to what was it that I really wanted. And, yes, it would have been easy, so easy for me to go and work for another government contractor. They're all around the Beltway. So there's mm-hmm. billions, There's a lot of them out there. So that would have been an easy thing to do. But the more and mm-hmm. more I thought about it, it just wasn't going to be enough for me. And so I complained mm-hmm. and I whined and I cried to my husband for, I know, <laughs> for a year or more about this. I'm training this person. He don't know anything and I'm not getting the credit. He's taking credit for my work. You know, I was just like, just totally crazy. And one day right. he told me, he said, Kathy, why don't you stop complaining about it and do something about it? But I didn't know right. what to do other than complain. He said, well, you know what? If you don't want to work for somebody, then go start your own business. And he used an expletive in there, too. I won't use it on the, on, on, on the air. <laughs> just go start your own business. I'm out of here about right? this, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, hmm. You know, like I never thought about it, and I never thought about it, Debbie, because of one thing. It was never introduced to me. My right. father, as I told you, worked for 35 years for the same company. So being mm-hmm. a, owning your own business and all that, I was never, ever introduced to that concept until that moment when my mm-hmm. husband said it to me. And you know, mm-hmm. and I had to wake up, and I had to think about that thing for a minute, start my own business, well, what would I do, you know? Right. I didn't know? I didn't even know where to start, but it stuck with me, and I could not let it go. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I said, you know, I need to, I need to research this. I need to figure this thing out to see if it would be a viable option for me. And that mm-hmm. was, those were the steps that I started to take. Even though I was still working, I began mm-hmm, to do mm-hmm. my own independent research to begin to see if this was, in fact, a viable option for me. And the more and mm-hmm. more research I did, the more and more this option became something that was really, really viable. And that's so what? what mm-hmm. ahead, oh, no, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Go and ahead. And, really, you said and that's, that's really what, you know, kind of, you know, started putting my mind on the track of being an entrepreneur. And what kind of research were you doing, you know, well, you because know, we, we have a lot of people who are at that point mm-hmm. that you were at several years. So what, what did you, I mean, what, what do I do? How, how do I, what research do I, do, do I do? Well, first and foremost, the Internet was not available mm. <laughs> when we started this company. I want to make that very, very clear to your audience. We started this company in the early 90s. The Internet came on board you know, the early to mid-90s, so a lot of my uh-huh. initial research was going to the library. You know, oh, no, not okay. the library. I had to go physically, <laughs> right. The Internet wasn't there, right? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. So I really had to physically go and find this information out. Well, starting, how do I start my own business was probably the first, the first question that you asked when you go to the library and talk to the librarian. I need books on how to start my own business. Well, now... Right. That information is at the is at your fingertips. You can log right. on, put it in there, and up pops all this information about how to start your own business. Now that gives you some ideas of how to do it. But what about what is it going to be? What will my business be? What are mm-hmm. my what are my skills? What am I going to sell? Who am I going to sell mm-hmm. it to? Why would they buy from me? All these mm-hmm. questions have to be answered. For me, my background was the federal government. I had worked in that space for seven years, so that's what I knew. So for me, mm-hmm. that had to be my market. Now, the next mm-hmm. question would be, well, what would I sell to that market? And so because okay. I was exposed to the federal government budgeting process, I knew where they were spending their dollars. 
because I that's okay. what I did. That's what I did, right? But the right. one thing I found out when during that research is I saw the budgets of the federal government expanding in one particular area, information technology. Oh, wow. Information technology. And I caught a hold of that. Now, I knew nothing about information technology. I had a computer, and I knew how to use <laughs> the computer. But as okay. far as IT and services and providing that to the government, I didn't know where that could lead. I didn't know what all that was about. So more research had to be done. Right to figure it out. Right, and right, so right. I finally got to the. My, and I have to go back and preface this. My husband's background is marketing and business development. Okay, okay. To the federal government. So uh, I'm like, aha! I'm uh-huh. finance. He's business development and marketing. I need to go okay. home and talk to this brother. <laughs> we need to have we need an appointment. We need to talk, right? And so it really came down to that conversation. How can I utilize my background with his uh-huh. background? Pull these two pieces together and somehow figure out how we were going to sell information technology solutions to the federal government. But that's when it, wow. that's, where we, that's where we started. Wow, that that began. is wow, that is incredible. So, so starting think, with the research, starting uh-huh. with the research. Figure uh-huh. out, um, you know, what's, what, what I do? What am I going to sell? Yeah, what do I uh-huh. do first? What is what uh-huh. are my skills first? It all starts with the entrepreneur. Because b- uh-huh. remember, in the beginning, you're selling yourself. You're selling your uh-huh. resume until you okay. build your business. So take right. a look at the resume. What is it that I'm good at? Okay. Where have I been? Or, you know, you know, who have I been around? Where have I worked? What are my past experiences, my past jobs, all of those things? And then figure out how do I take what I know into the places where I've been in order to create an opportunity. Right, right, opportunity. right. So there are certain steps that we take, and I talk about a lot of those steps in this book, you know, Navigating Your Way to Business Success, because I think it really does put your reader in the mind of an entrepreneur being me and the steps that I took in order to get me there. Right, right, right. That's that's powerful. That's powerful. Well, we told you we are here only the best for you on Wealthy Sisters. Our very special guest today is Miss Catherine Freeland, author and entrepreneur. We are so excited as well that she is one of our feature speakers at the Winter Summit Conference and Expo. After we return, we want to be able to ask a few more questions about your start of the um, company, and then we want to get into what you share with me is the importance of having that exit strategy and how you had such an awesome exit strategy there. Also, if you've got questions, please dial in 347-838-9278. You press 1, and we will know that you have a question for Ms. Freeland as well. We will take a short break and be right back. Thank you for tuning in to Wealthy Sisters. Deborah Hartnett International, helping you design your future. We are business development consultants your one-stop source for starting or enhancing your business. Our team of professionals are among the best in the country. Our services range from establishing your corporation to developing and executing your branding strategy to website design and promotion. We even help you with establishing your business credit. Visit us today at www.debrahardnet.com to view a full list of services or Call toll-free 800-493-0339. Mention this ad and receive a 15% discount off our gold package. We are back live here on Wealthy Sisters. This is Deborah Hartnett welcoming our very special guest today, Ms. Catherine Freeman, who is the author of Navigating Your Way to Business Success, The Entrepreneur's Journey. Now, as we were sharing with, uh, well, Ms. Freeland was actually sharing with us today, is recapping, if you want to know how to start your business first, you've got to be able to develop or figure out what you're good at, what are your skill sets. Also, she talked about um, knowing who your market is and, and knowing how to properly uh, sell to that market. Now you've done those things and you've started your, your, your business 
how how did how long was it before you began to really see the type of success that you were seeing? And how, you know, I know that's a big jump there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's been a while, and you're kind of putting all things into perspective for you, Deborah. I continued mm-hmm. to work for that company uh, that I felt I had that had wronged me for several years before I actually stepped out. It was actually three years that I continued to work my business plan, you know, work in this business plan, and all of that research that I was doing was ultimately going to result in a business plan. And I mm-hmm. can't stress that, uh, you know, very importantly, that the business plan becomes your your roadmap for further success. And so I continued to work for that company until such time I was able to secure my first purchase order or government contract order that would allow me to leave the comfort nine to five full time paying job. Mm-hmm. Uh, with benefits. Don't forget that. That's right, with the benefits. <laughs> so it took me a little while and so I want to make certain everyone understands this this is a process and it and it does take time and you don't want to just jump out there haphazardly without doing mm-hmm. the proper planning before doing so. And so as mm-hmm. once that purchase order came into play, now I could gain what we call past performance, some experience that I can now utilize to go after other federal government contracts. And so mm-hmm. one contract led to another contract, which led to uh, hiring people, which now led me to have more experience and more past performance and more capability. That I can t- it, was all, it became a, very, a snowball effect, which mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. we want. And, of course, we can't leave out the fact that there are programs available and I was considered a minority disadvantaged small business because I'm African-American and I'm female and all of that. And so mm-hmm. I utilized a program under the Small Business Administration called the 8A program to also help us to further our, our marketing and business development activity to the federal government. And so we were mm-hmm. able to secure a number of 8A contracts that also gained us additional presence within the federal space, more customers, more past performance that we now continue to build upon. And so over the course of uh, we became 8A certified in 1994 until I sold the company in 2003. So that went from one employee being me to over Mm -hmm. 450 employees being then in 2003. Now, wow. they, now, all that sounds wonderful when you put all the numbers together, but it's all the stuff that's in the middle, all the in-between stuff that's going on that, you know, <laughs> this one-hour show would not be enough time for me to explain it all to you. But just know that there's a lot that went on in the middle there in order to get to those, that end result, you know, in 2003. In 2003. But that is, a, that is still a very nice period of time, a nice – Nice, because there are people who have been working as entrepreneurs, you know, like myself and many others for for 20 years. And, you know, to be able to to have those type of numbers in nine years is just just phenomenal. That's that's great. So we have to, you know, really tip our hat to you uh, for that as well. So now, and and I love the fact that you keep stressing um, that it is a process. It's a process there because – and it is our society. We know everything is quick, so we want we want mm-hmm. things to happen quickly. What would you say um, to encourage uh, our listeners today? You know, you, you talked about that that preparation, but what else would you say or to 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 encourage them to actually stay in the game um, mm-hmm. to to be able to to win like you like you have. Sure, I think there's there's a, there's a few things that I think everyone needs to understand, and that is first and foremost, entrepreneurs are not born; they are mm-hmm. created. Okay, mm-hmm. I read a recent survey of somewhere that that they talked about, you know, if you're not born an entrepreneur, if you didn't come from an entrepreneurial background, your father was an entrepreneur, your mother was an entrepreneur, then there's no way you can be a successful entrepreneur. I disagree wow. with that. I disagree with that. Entrepreneurs are made. They're created. They're not born. So that's the first message I want your audience to know. You can become an entrepreneur. It is possible and it is very doable. They need to know Mm -hmm. that. And then they need Mm -hmm. to also feel confident in their own ability to know that they can do it. And I oftentimes use the example, we all go to work or have gone to work before for someone else. 
nine to mm-hmm. five, ten to six, however many hours a day we work, when we go and we work, like you said, 15, 20 years. So we rely upon that employer to do mm-hmm. enough business to pay us. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. have confidence mm-hmm. in the employer to pay us. Mm-hmm. Well, why mm-hmm. can't we mm-hmm. have that same confidence in our own selves, in our own skills that we've learned, and do it for ourselves? Mm-hmm. So instead mm-hmm. of being mm-hmm. the lender, now we want to be the, instead of being the borrower, we want to be the lender. So we want to be right. in control. So that's how we, right. we have to be able to feel confident in our own ability to be able to do this entrepreneurial, uh, this entrepreneurial adventure. And the next thing we want your the audience to know is that they've got to take the fear factor out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Being an entrepreneur causes fear. I know mm-hmm. because I've been there, and it is very mm-hmm. fearful. Mm-hmm. But once we mm-hmm. take the fear factor out, then we can think a little bit more clearer about what type of entrepreneurial adventure we can actually pursue. My father used to tell me, nothing beats a failure but a try. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you don't try, you never will know mm-hmm. whether or not you will succeed or you will fail. And mm-hmm. my position mm-hmm. has always been, if I fail, guess what? I'll just go mm-hmm. back to work. I just go to work okay. for somebody. Right? Okay, okay, I have okay. two degrees, okay. I should be able to get a job. <laughs> okay. So the, the worst thing that can happen Something. is I fail, I go back to work. No harm done. Mm-hmm. So take mm-hmm. the fear mm-hmm. factor out of it. And then the last thing is to understand that no is not an option. Entrepreneurs don't take no for an answer. We just keep no. pushing. We keep pushing mm-hmm. until we mm-hmm. get the answer that we want. And so mm-hmm. those are the types of things that if, if any of your audience, audience is thinking about being an entrepreneur, and I'm sure so many of them have already thought about it, that you've got to take the leap of faith, take the skills that you've learned, and parlay those into an entrepreneurial adventure, remove the fear factor, and don't take no as an option. Wow. That's, that's that's, that is some audience. good stuff. That's some good stuff. Now, I want you all to listen clearly now. Dial in 347-838-9278. The lines are jumping off here. We do have a few people that have questions. But do you mind, like I have like asked you before, <laughs> now tell us, you know, you said you have 400 employees. You built this because you actually had that exit strategy. You mind sharing with us, with the audience on, on what, you know, you were able to sell your business for? Okay, well, let me just start by saying every entrepreneur needs an exit strategy. That's built mm-hmm. into the business plan, strategic plan, whatever you want to define that as, an exit mm-hmm. strategy. Unless, you, unless you're looking to be in business until the day you die, you need to have an exit strategy. <laughs> you know, the exit strategy could be I'm going to sell the company. It could be I'm going to pass it on to my children, and they'll it's be uh, generational. It could be a number uh-huh. of those things. For me, uh-huh. my exit strategy was I wanted to build a company whereby it was something of value. I wanted to okay. build a value-based company such that at some point down the road, someone else would want it. Okay. So there's a difference between building a value-add-based company than, say, building a company where you're supporting a lifestyle. Okay. And I'm sure okay. you know I'm sure you know of companies where the owners build companies to support their lifestyles and that is wow. okay. That say is that not, again. That is I don't not know a bad if they got thing. That say is that okay. again though, the difference. The difference okay. you said. It's a difference. Wow. There is a difference because the company mm. that is built on lifestyle, you build it mm-hmm. to support where mm-hmm. you live, what you drive, what you wear, and you're just generating mm. revenue or income to be able to support your lifestyle, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that lifestyle may be. And that's okay mm-hmm. if that is the strategy. Mm-hmm. But then again, mm-hmm. there's these companies that I thought, I think I created, was one of value where I'm building it, I'm growing the revenues, I'm growing the profit, I'm growing my customer base, I'm growing in the types of services that I provide. And someday, somebody's going to want that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to mm-hmm. pay dollars for what I've created. And so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. becomes my exit strategy because now I'm able to pass that on to someone else to take it to say to the next level or what have you. And so my wow. strategy was to sell my company, 
even though my company was very personal to me because it was created the way it was created out of the death of my son and all of that, <laughs> I knew mm-hmm. that at some point in time that it would be time to sell. And it came to that time when the landscape within the federal space was changing. I was too small to be big. I was too big to be small. And so it's all these catch-22s that was going on. And mm-hmm. so the opportunity presented itself such that I was able to sell the company to a publicly traded company out of Mountain Lakes, New Jersey, who was looking for a platform company. And for your audience who may not understand what that means, is that they were a commercial company, no presence within the federal government space. They wanted to be in the federal space. Okay. So instead of okay. putting the research dollars and all the investment dollars behind starting something from scratch, they went out looking for a company that was already in existence, that were already supporting the federal government. They found us. Even though they we found you. Wow. They found okay. us. We weren't trying to be found. We weren't okay. looking to sell. We knew there was that was that was a couple years down the road before we were going to begin to think about being sold. They found okay. us, and they mm-hmm. had a very compelling, very compelling offer argument as to why being a part of them would be good for both of us. And so mm-hmm, we really had mm-hmm. to take a step back and assess the landscape that we were operating in, too being too big to be small, too small to be big, but yet we were still competing with some of the large companies. And so we mm-hmm, needed to make mm-hmm. sure that we were in a strategic position to be able to compete. Long story short, mm-hmm. we decided to sell to this company. There were uh, uh, $260 million in revenue, a little over 1,100 mm-hmm. employees, mm-hmm. And so they had depth and breadth of capability, all the things that would help us to continue to grow. And so we ultimately sold <clears throat> to the company for thirty million in re- for thirty million dollars <clears throat> was the was the was the asking price. And uh, we sold. I decided to stay on with them for three years uh, as part of the transition team to help them learn how to do business in the federal space. And so after that three-year period of time, I transitioned out in July of 2006 and decided I was going to do something totally, you know, totally different. So I wrote the book and started another consulting practice, Freeland Associates, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, continue to help me stay within, you know, the space that I was most familiar with. And um, here we are today. Wow. Now, I tell you what, we only bring the best to you on Wealthy Sisters. I want to keep it real. How many people can we call right now or can we listen to that's going to just disapproachable? That I mean, there's not a celebrity. There's not an entertainer. Not that we can even get to the celebrities or the entertainer who is just giving of herself. Oh, this, this is, this is, this is powerful. The knowledge that you're sharing and just the fact that you've accomplished what you've accomplished. It's just awesome. So we want to be able to open the lines up. We're going to take a short break. We'll come right back. Uh, three, dial 347-838-9278. Uh, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, would you mind taking one or two questions? Oh, I'd love to. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is another great episode of Wealthy Sisters. Our very special guest today is none other than Miss Catherine Freeland. We'll take a short break here and be right back. Do you feel like there's never enough? Do you feel like there's never enough time in the day? Have a laundry list of 20 things to do and you still haven't done, oh yeah, the laundry. Are you at a crossroads in your life and just not certain what's your next step? Are you just overwhelmed and feel like you have lost, well, you? We are here to help. Compass Coaching is a personal development company for women. We help you find your path and bring balance to your life. Visit us today at www.mypathmylife.com. We have life coaching plans as low as $19 a month and take our free assessment. That's www.mypathmylife.com. Every woman deserves a coach. 
Yes, we are live back here on Wealthy Sisters. Our special guest is Miss Catherine Freeland. We do have a few questions here in the chat room. We want to get to that. One of the questions is, how do you begin to transition from a nine-to-five to become an entrepreneur and not breaking those bridges? Uh, I think you kind of talked about that, but the breaking the bridges part, that, that's a good question there. Absolutely, and and it does take um it takes a while to to make that transition because we all get get stuck as I say in the comfort zone of okay I work nine to five I get paid every two weeks you know I get this number of vacation days I get this number of sick days and and you know you become comfortable you know with that mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur cause make a uh, forces you to step outside of that comfort zone when you don't know exactly when your paycheck is going to come or if you're going to get paid. Because I forego, I mean, I for, forego, uh, is that the right word? I forego. Yeah, yeah, yeah right we know what is. you mean. <laughs> I didn't look, take a salary. Look, look, <laughs> look, well, you, you know, you know about A.G. Gaston. <laughs> And look, you know about A.G. Gaston from Birmingham. You know what the quote is. They said, would you rather me say I went to Harvard or would you rather me say I is a millionaire? There you go. So I didn't have a paycheck for a minute. Let me put it that way. And so it does take, it's, it's a different mindset that I think you have to put yourself in in order to uh-huh. To be out to get outside of that comfort area, and it's 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 about risk. Entrepreneurs take risk, and the way you get out of that get out of that mindset is how to determine how much risk are you willing to take, how much are you really comfortable with, and so uh-huh. it, it 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 takes a minute to to make that transition. But once you've made it, you'll understand that once you are an entrepreneur, you are always an entrepreneur. You will always be an entrepreneur, and it will be very difficult. For you to go back to work for somebody nine to five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, like I kind of say, I'm unemployed. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> it's just hard. That's right. <laughs> I, just the thought of it, you know. And so I think that is important for you to recognize, you know, what your strengths are and what you're going to be capable of. But like you said, it is it is a mindset. And it is a, a sacrifice. There. How can how can we get your book and 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 give us your website as well? Sure. The website is an. Uh, an entrepreneur's journey, so that's a n entrepreneurs with an s journey dot com. Make sure you spell entrepreneurs right. So a n entrepreneurs journey dot com. That's the website. The book can be uh, you can get the book there on that site, or you can get it at Amazon, Borders, Borders, Barnes, Books a Million. You can go online and all of those uh, those uh, locations and get the book uh, from those venues. Been wonderful, wonderful. Now we're gonna um, also open up the lines to our show producer, who is out of Atlanta, Miss Jocelyn Harrison. She's also an entrepreneur as well. We know that she has a few questions that she would like to ask um, from our chat room as well. Hello, Jocelyn, are you there? Let's see, we have a little technical difficulty, Jocelyn. Okay, okay we got you, Jocelyn. Yes. Yeah. Hey, can you speak up a little? Yes. Is this loud enough? Okay. Yeah, we got you there. Yes. Okay. Hi, Jocelyn. Hi. How are you? This is. I'm finding you. Oh, I'm great. We're getting so many wonderful um, comments in the chat room. People are really loving you and loving the practical advice that you are giving. I have a question. And the fact that she's so humble too. Oh yes. Awesome. Awesome. I have a question from Cheryl Wood. She wants to know, is there a certain amount of time, one two, one year, two year, three years, you recommend for new business owners for them to determine whether or not their business idea really is viable and worth continuing to invest in beyond just a hobby? That's a good question. That mm-hmm. is a good question. And I don't and I don't think, Jocelyn, there is a set time period, whether it's one year, two year, three year or not, because until you're actually out there and doing it on a full-time basis, you won't really know whether or not it's a viable, you know, uh, opportunity or not, especially if you're looking to take that, you know, further, you know, beyond, you know, this initial I'm going to make it a hobby type of thing. But if you're looking Mm -hmm. to take this thing further and really make it something that you're going to be committed to uh, 150% of the time, you know, on a full-time basis, then you won't really know. So I suggest if you've been at it for a year or two already, and if you're making money, 
if you're making revenue, if you're making profitability, and if you if all the cards are lining up, then take the leap. And that's and that's where we're oftentimes held back. We we're afraid to take the leap to see if it will mm-hmm. sustain itself for any period of time. So whether it's mm-hmm. one year, two year, three year, you can kind of be at this hobby thing for a number of years, and until you take that leap of faith to figure out whether it can stand on its own, you will never know. Mm. Now, now that that's interesting coming from from you, you know, as a finance background, as someone who had such a structured beginning there, you know, to actually tell someone to take the leap. But I guess you're saying that's that's the only way that we can we can find out, huh? It is, and it, that's um, and again, keep in mind, and and again, the whole story again can't be told in this short period of time. But you know, right. I was on the verge of bankruptcy at one point, trying to get this business this get this business up and off the ground. But I mm. was so committed; I believed in what I was trying to do that I wasn't going to let that deter me. And you know, when we talk about financing, that may be one of the questions that may she may be leading up to. Well, how do I finance this thing if I want to take that leap of faith? And and mm-hmm. there's a number of ways to do that. I had to finance mm-hmm. my company on credit cards because banks wouldn't give me a loan. I'm not mm-hmm. telling your audience to go out and do that. Let me just preface mm-hmm. that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that. But that, is what real. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what we had to do because access to capital in the in the purest form, you know, with business to small business loans and term loans weren't readily available to us until we started growing our business. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oftentimes what holds us back by pursuing what we really want to do is is the financial aspect of it. And so we have to figure out how do we get around the financial roadblock that causes us not to follow our dreams. Mhm, mhm, and and those roadblocks could come. They're going to come regardless. Maybe, regardless. maybe it could be a financial, or I mean, what what other roadblocks that you have? I mean, because you said it's a process, and it was a time period, and and that's important. Are there any other roadblocks that 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 people might face? Oh, absolutely. Again, first the first roadblock typically, unless you come from a family of wealth, and most mm-hmm. of us don't, uh, will be access to capital. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's probably going to be the first roadblock. The second one is probably going to be where are the customers? How do I find them? And then mm-hmm. not only once I find them, how do I convince them that they should buy from me when there are so mm-hmm. many other companies providing the same type of stuff that I provide? Unless you have something mm-hmm. that's so very unique and you're the only one providing it, there's going to be some competition. So how do I overcome the roadblock of, of, uh, of competing in a market that's already filled to capacity to start with. Wow. Then other roadblocks, okay, now that I've won this business, how am I going to um, uh, recruit and retain people to help me do this job? Now, unless you are in a single-person company where it's just you, then more than likely you're going to end up having to hire some people. And ultimately you're going to end up having to fire some people. And those in and of itself become challenges, and I call them roadblocks, challenges, whatever term you want to use, but there are ways in which to overcome every one of the roadblocks that you you face, because guess what, you're not the first entrepreneur to face it, and you won't be the last one. Wow, wow, that's great, that's great, and you talked about the exit strategy, the importance of that, you just talked about that financing, and and really the the whole point of doing uh, basically what you have to do, being creative to to raise those funds, and and, and that, speaking of that, uh, you said, how do you get your product out there, or your services, when you're in a competitive marketplace? Um, and you mentioned, you know, the background, I guess, that, that, that your husband had with the marketing. Does does marketing really help with that? Is that why someone would need that? Well, marketing does help, and marketing, of course, can come in a, lot, a number of shapes and sizes. But today, mm-hmm. with the invention of the Internet, there are so many uh, avenues that you can utilize just via the web in order to get mm-hmm. the word out. Now, that does not negate the fact that you've got to put on your sneaks and you've got to go pound pavement. Because that's exactly what we had to do. Again, the Internet was still very new, you know, as far as having a website and all that stuff. It was very new in the very beginning of our our existence. That all came over time. But in the beginning, 
once we identified who our clients were going to be, we strapped, I strapped on my pumps, and I was pounding pavement in D.C., knocking on doors. So getting in, especially within the federal government, every federal agency has a small business advocate or a small business office. And that's where, that was the first place we went. We went in to talk to these people and letting them know, well, this, this is who we are. This is what we do. These are the services that we provide. How can I do business with you? And those mm-hmm. people are more than willing to give you the information of how to go about doing it. And then mm-hmm. you've got to take another step to get to what we call the decision makers, who are going to be the ones that's actually going to say, yes, I want you. And mm-hmm. that's all part of that marketing and uh, that marketing and business development process that you go through. And the use the invention of the Internet <clears throat> helps us now because we can Google a lot of things and we can get our websites up and we can go on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all these other, you know, boards to find other information that we need. So the the information is out there. We have to be proactive in going out to to locate it and find it and, you know, knocking on the doors of those people who are going to help us. And right. you also can't dispute, you know, I mean, discount, you know, mentor, you know, finding mentors, finding, you know, people that are in the industry and connecting with them in some way. And, you know, you just have to use every avenue that's available to you. Wow. And that that is such a great segue, you know, into what, what we were going to be talking about this weekend because you talked about the importance of finding those mentors and and, and to be honest, like you said, you know, most of the time in our communities, very few of us have had that um, that mentor or that even the money to be able to rely on or someone to assist with funding or lending. You know, you need help in a crunch or what have you. And that's what our focus is with with a professional black woman and well, our parent company, Deborah Hartnett International is to really give that support of creating those partnerships and, and, and linking uh, business owners with mentors as well. And so here we are with a live event this weekend, the Winter's Summit Conference and Expo, this mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday at the Hyatt Regency right there in the harbor, an awesome, beautiful hotel. Now, we, we're not playing. This is a, a plush hotel. We're going to be on the top floor uh, for our reception in the Pisces Lounge area where you can overlook. It's a panoramic view of the harbor. I'm telling you, we've, we've got beautiful music playing. Uh, some, and we're going to feed you, too, some great hors d'oeuvres. So I'm telling you, you're going to love that menu. We've got uh, the Legends Award that will be given out to Dr. Tracy Lynn that Friday night. And then uh, later we'll go downstairs to the ballroom to our very own concert. We turn it into the lounge for Tony Terry performing live for us, and he's ready. He is ready for us. I was laughing with his manager the other day, and and we were talking about, I've been saying all of the the people that's like, well, what time is Tony? (laughs) What time is Tony singing? (laughs) And, uh, you know, so they're ready because they're thinking about the posters they used to have of him uh, on their, their bedroom walls growing up, but he's performing live, and then Saturday, we have great topics like what we're talking about today, and, and, and you'll be able to actually reach out and touch. We've got several successful women that are going to be there from all over the country, so what can they actually expect from you? I know you're going to be on in the afternoon as well. What, what can they expect from your presentation on Saturday? Well, what, one, there's a number of things they should expect, and if I don't deliver, they need to let me know. They should be able to, <laughs> they're going to learn how to redefine their meaning of the word entrepreneur. And, mm. as we, and as they shift their perception, they're going to learn some insight as to how to move through the maze of barriers that stand in the way of them achieving their goals. They'll also be able to discover how to deal with the real issues. Now, I know I got limited time on the program, you know, on Saturday, but this about these are them going to try to get in there, how to deal with the real issues and kind of go beyond what things appear to be and so they can be armed with new choices and new options as they look to, to determine whether or not entrepreneurship is in their future. They'll, I want them to be able to recognize how to use their faith to help them to grow beyond what they can even think or imagine possible. 
And that's what I had to do. I had to use my faith foundation to really support me in this in this business venture. And then hopefully they'll be, they'll they'll become aware that the process of entrepreneurship has a beginning, it has a mm-hmm. middle, and it mm-hmm. has an ending, which is the exit. And that becomes oh. the doorway that can change their lives forever. That's what I hope they'll be able to take away from the from the my presentation on on this coming weekend. Oh, well, we have no doubt just from the show today what you've shared, how humble you are, and how gracious you have been, you know, just being honest about your personal business there. That That is powerful. So what you're saying is uh, it is a process, and, and it is a start here, and it's a middle. And you just mentioned that word faith because, you know, I always talk about um, the CD that, that I have is, is 90, 95% mental. Business is 95% mental. With that in mind, how strong and how important is that faith? Because I know sometimes we make mistakes in, in, in business. Or, or Did you make any mistakes? Did you, did, was everything, I, I've made did you, several <laughs> mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. I'm going to make some more mistakes. Let's not get that twisted. Entrepreneurship, we learn on the job. People do not teach you how to be an entrepreneur. You may learn all the principles about how to apply finance, uh-huh. accounting, and all that. But you, entrepreneurship is about learning on the job. And I've learned mm. a lot along the way, made some mistakes, and I learned from those mistakes. But without the, the solid faith foundation, and I will, I will go back to it every single time, without it, uh-huh. I have nothing. And this uh-huh. company would not have been successful without the faith foundation from which I stand. And I know that God led me to this place in time, and so I give that all to him. And all the glory and uh, honor goes to him. And I know I can do nothing without him. So my song, Never Could Have Made It, I never would have made it. Don't let me go wow. there, Never. Never would have made <laughs> Come it. Come on, I told you, we, we are real right here on Wealthy Sisters. We are real. We are so real here because we want the truth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have real never people that are listening. It. Yes, yes, especially, you know, in times that you see times of, uh, of miracles, that you, was it, I mean, was it ever times that you just thought, man, how, how am I going to make this through? And, and, and there was a miracle that occurred to, to yeah. assist you, you know. Every you, single so, day, every single day, mm-hmm. you know. There were times mm-hmm. when you just wanted to, like, Lord, just take this cup. I don't want it, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be in business. I don't want to be the boss anymore. <laughs> you have Let me go play days. on the swing. <laughs> yeah, you do have those moments. And so even yes. in this new venture that I'm about to embark upon, I think I wrote on a piece of paper yesterday, my husband and I were in the same meeting, and we were uh-huh. discussing this new business venture, and I wrote resign on his paper. He said, what do you guys I resign right now. And I think I did that like five times throughout the entire meeting. I wrote resign. But then I get it back together like, okay, God, we're moving on. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the, so what what are you you're consulting? What what services um are you consulting on with with a new company? Well, the consulting services is just the uh, is just the, the a small piece of what's about to happen. Uh, okay. I started the consulting practice to give me something to do while my non compete was going on with you know with my with the company that acquired us. So I was doing some strategic planning, some C level executive type support. But what's the right. really about to happen is I'm about to acquire my first company and start this wow. process all over again. So instead of starting from scratch in my basement like I did before, uh-huh. the Lord has been able to bless us financially where we can actually acquire our first company as our platform and preferably okay. over the next five to seven years grow it to be a multi-million-dollar company whereby at some point in time, seven years down the road, I'll do this all over again. I'll sell it and exit a second time. So that's the strategy. Come on. Well, what a great way to end this show today. That's powerful. You have heard it from Ms. Catherine Freeland. We want you to know that she's going to be live and in living color with us at the Winter Summit this weekend. Go to the wintersummit.com. Wintersummit.com. Register today is the last day. We only have a few seats left. You can tune in tonight. We will be on WHURs. That's Howard's radio station with Harold Fisher on the Daily Drum at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can call in and give us your, your, your support there as well. 
And Ms. Freeman, we want to thank you so much for, for being our special guest today. We're looking forward to an awesome week. Congratulations to all of your success, sister, and you just make us proud, and, and thank you for setting an example. Y'all go to her website, theentrepreneursjourney.com, and, uh, and entrepreneursjourney, right. I'm sorry, dot com and get that book go to the bookstore get it you want to apply tune in next week where our very special guest will be miss betty hines another extraordinary woman who uh, introduced me to miss freeland so you know all people you know birds of a feather flock together so you want to hear this lady's awesome story she's a dynamic woman dynamic individual this has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters. This is Deborah Hartnett. Have a great day, and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by theprofessionalblackwoman.com, where success is inevitable. Join Deborah Hartnett, our host, next week as she interviews another powerful, positive, progressive, wealthy sister, and visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. See you next time.